What's happening, friends? If you've come for another episode of Coffee and Kernels, well, you're in the right place. I'm Bryce, and this is episode 38. I hope you all had a great week. The Final Four happened, the NCAA tournament's been going on, and we've been getting more and more movies, which is always an excellent thing. We've got another great show for you today. Today, we're going to break down the weekly recap, which is just everything that's gone on within the last week for the Bankrupt Hippo channel. We're also going to talk about last weekend's box office results and if there were any surprises. We'll talk about this weekend's box office projections and anything we learned from the previous weekend, which there are some surprises for me this week. We'll also get into a subtopic today. Two actors have retired from Hollywood. We're going to talk about who they are, what great movies they have, and what their legacy is going to be like. Then we'll round off the episode with some weekly recommendations which i've got a bonus one for you this week so stick around for that if you want to know more okay so let's kind of start off with the weekly recap and for this week the first thing that went on is i went ahead and i watched dear evan hansen i've been meaning to watch dear evan hansen since september of 2021 since it came out and i didn't get a chance to get around to it my family wanted to watch it so we did and we had a pleasant time with it the movie is let me start by saying this about the film. I'm part of the audience that really, that I, I won't say really enjoyed it, but I enjoyed it. Let's kind of take a look over at Rotten Tomatoes for a second here. So for Dear Evan Hansen, it's pretty divided when it comes to critics and audiences, resting at 29% from critics and 88% from audiences. I'm part of the 88% of the audience that really enjoyed this movie. Not everything in it really landed with me. For example, I didn't love the fact that there were, I thought there were too many musical numbers and I thought they went on for too long. Having said that, I'm not really a musical fan per se, but I was still able to enjoy this movie with all the music in it. I just think that the when you blend musicals and movies together, there's a balance to be struck. And that balances between having the right amount of dialogue with the right amount of song and th having the song kind of supplement the messages that the movie's trying to convey or supplement the dialogue would be another way to say it. And this movie, it made its point pretty clear through the dialogue, which is great oftentimes, but then what it would do is it would start to, it would start to do this thing where it would just keep having the song go on and on and on for like five, six minutes. And I'm like, this movie probably could have saved a half hour runtime if it just cut the musical numbers down to like three minutes, two minutes overall. I just didn't find the songs to be one that catchy and that interesting, but I just didn't think that they really did anything for the movie besides show off the great vocal talent that was littered in this cast because there's a lot of it. I mean, look at Ben Platt, his career. He's a great musical guy. He was in Pitch Perfect. He's got pipes like no other, but... At some point, it just got a little old, and I found myself using those moments to run to the bathroom really quickly because I just knew I wouldn't really be missing much. That's just kind of the reality of the situation. Now, that was my biggest gripe of the movie. What did I really enjoy? What were the finer parts about it? I liked the cast. I thought they were all talented. I thought they all served their roles well. I especially enjoyed Amy Adams, her as a grieving mother who's in denial she really sold that role to me like she clearly conveyed the fact that this character was in denial and it, your heart almost breaks for her at, at, at a lot of points and it really it really helps kind of sell the messages of the movie which is phenomenal i also thought it was pretty creative the manner in which they use social media and how it had consequences for the movie at large and for our characters as well it was really interesting to see all that play out 
And overall, at the end of the day, if I had to recommend this movie, I'd say it's definitely worth a watch. If you're a fan of musicals, I think you'll especially love it because this is a little bit more heavy on the musical side. If you don't love musicals as much, if you're like me, I still think there is something for you to enjoy in this movie. However, I don't think it'll knock your socks off and I don't think it'll be anything life-changing for you. Be warned that this is a pretty long movie. Like I said, it's like two hours, 28 minutes, which I thought was a little too long. I thought the movie would have been better served at two hours because at two hours, 30 minutes, I think it was just too much time to tell this story. So I'll leave it at that. Dear Evan Hansen, have any of you seen it? If so, what'd you think of it? You know where the comment section is. Let me know. Okay, so let's transition to the next thing I did for the week, which was see a movie. Of course, I actually saw two this week and I'll get back to that in just a second, but I went and saw Morbius on a Thursday night. Now, a lot of the reactions for Morbius out of the gate weren't very positive at all. Let me kind of transition over to Rotten Tomatoes. 17% from critics for for Morbius on Rotten Tomatoes, which the first couple days that reviews started coming out, actually, I can't even say first couple days, they they started lifting the review embargo for Morbius about 23, 24 hours before the movie comes out, which for those of you who don't know what a review embargo is, a review embargo is essentially a ban on anybody being able to release their reviews for a movie that is put in place by the studio. There's legal, there's legalities that are involved, things like that. But basically with a review embargo, you're not allowed to post a review for a movie until that embargo lifts. And when a studio waits up until the last second to lift the review embargo, it's usually a telltale sign that they don't have a ton of faith in the movie. And that seemed to be the case here because 24 hours before the movie dropped, we had a a few, I believe it was 20 something critics at the time give their thoughts And they weren't very positive. Like I said, only 17% of all critics really enjoyed the movie. Now, having said that, since then, a a majority of the audience enjoyed it. 69% of the audience enjoyed the movie overall. Now, where do I really stand on this movie at the end of the day? Well, to be honest... I didn't really enjoy it. I did not think it was a good movie. I thought it was, I don't want to necessarily call it bad. In fact, when I gave my review for this movie, which is on the Bankrupt Hippo channel, of course, I'll talk about that in just a second, but I was going to give it a score of four out of 10, which that's the score I ended up giving it. And I was going to say it was bad. However, I'd rather use the term skippable when it comes to movies like this. The reason being is because I don't think it's fair for me to say that a movie is bad out of the gate when I'm only publishing some of these reviews like 24 hours, like within 24 hours after seeing it. So in a world where there's so many movies to see, I'd rather give something a little bit more tangible to you all, which is I called it skippable, meaning that you could probably skip this movie in theaters and go see something else. I mean, heck, go see The Lost City for a second time if you haven't seen it yet. Go see Uncharted if you're looking to have some fun. Go see any other movie that's really coming out because Morbius, I just don't think will do it for you unless you belong to a very niche audience that one knows who Morbius is and likes comic book movies and watch Marvel movies, because that's what Morbius is. It's a very niche comic book movie. It's not like this big extravagant Spider-Man that everybody knows about. Nobody knows who Morbius is. Now, giving my overarching view of Morbius, what I actually think of the movie. Well, like I said, I've got my extended thoughts on, the Bankrupt Hippo YouTube channel, which of course I believe it's my 
this is my review right here, so feel free to check that out. It's about four minutes long. On the whole, I can't recommend the movie, but specifically the reason being is the fact that nothing really happens in the movie. It's about this guy named Dr. Michael Morbius, who's played by Jared Leto, trying to find a cure for his ailment. Well, he finds a cure, it's highly experimental, things go wrong, and he essentially turns into a vampire. And now this isn't a spoiler, it happens within like the first 10 minutes of the movie, and it actually sets up the rest of the film, but you can boil the plot down to just him trying to live with his ailment, and that's not very interesting by itself. And to make matters worse, while he's trying to figure out his ailment, it, the movie starts throwing at you these artificial conflicts, these artificial ideas, themes, and stories that just don't really feel meaningful and feel really forced. It's like they're trying to create something out of thin air to keep you entertained, but you never really quite buy into it. And it's just it just doesn't make for great entertainment value. And to make matters worse, when they're creating these artificial conflicts, these artificial moments, it just adds to the runtime that you're already not really interested in. So it just makes for overall a very uneventful, un charismatic watch just full of things you don't really empathize or care about you don't really get on board with any of the characters necessarily you don't really care what happens to any of them and the script it ends up kind of ignoring the rules that it sets for itself early on now when morbius is starting to gain his powers very early on in the movie and you're starting to learn about it the movie tells you these specific things like hey this is what michael morbius can and can't do with his newfound condition but then as the movie rolls on and he's discovering new things it either goes back on those guidelines and parameters or the script is just weak overall. So there's just not really much to love in the movie. And I will say the one redeeming quality about it is I'm glad it was a shorter film. And I don't say that facetiously. This movie no, knew exactly how long and how to pace uh, its runtime, which I thought was great. I didn't necessarily ever find myself bored throughout the runtime i just didn't really care about anything that was going on there was there was a bunch of entertaining moments where there'd be fighting there'd be transitioning from scene to scene but none of it you just you just never really got to care about it at all whatsoever so if you're thinking about going and seeing morbius if you like the character morbius and you want to see what sony's done with it and you like comic book stuff i'd say go see it you'll probably like it if you're like me and you don't really care about the character Morbius haven't really heard of it or just aren't really into comic book movies, I'd say skip it, go see something else. So if you're interested in my full thoughts on the movie, go check out the review on the Bankrupt Hippo channel. But friends, if you have seen it, what you think of it, you know where the comment section is. Let me know. Okay, so let's get into the next thing I did for the week, which is actually fast forwarding to yesterday. I ended up going and seeing The Lost City a second time. So instead of uh, going and seeing Morbius again, which I have no intention on doing, I actually don't have any intention on seeing Morbius ever again. I went and saw The Lost City for the second time. I posted an out-of-theater uh, review for the second viewing once more, which you can find uh, right here. And the title is pretty much encompassed of everything that I could have said about the movie. I thought it was just as good the second time around. In fact, I thought it was funnier the second time around. I was able to latch on to a bit more of the jokes that they ended up throwing out, and I didn't notice how subtle the movie was in its humor. Like, if you're not actually paying attention at some moments, you'll miss one of the jokes that they make really quickly, and it a lot of those jokes, seeing them the second time around, I'm like, wow, that was really funny, and that landed well. The second big note that I had from watching it for the second time was the fact that 
I don't think I quite played up the chemistry between Sandra Bullock and Channing Tatum as much as I should have after watching my first viewing. Those two ooze chemistry throughout the movie, and they truly make it uh, what it is, which is a really good and a really entertaining time to watch with a loved one or your friends. In fact, uh, my big crowd in the theater, a lot of them were loved ones, couples, families seeing it, and they were all having a blast, and that's what this movie's bread and butter is. It's just Channing Tatum and Sandra Bullock play off of each other so well that you can't help but have a great time and laugh along the way. It's just the comedic timing that they have between each other, the moments of endearment and care that they have for each other really land well, and they just really make the movie. They just make the movie. (laughs) I don't know how else to say it. The other thing that I enjoyed the second time around was, of course, again, Daniel Radcliffe. I didn't have any additional notes on that. I thought he was great for the role. That continued to be the same uh, feeling throughout the second viewing. The The side characters, I still felt that they were pretty much useless for the movie and they would have been better cut out, but I just they didn't bother me nearly as much this time around. I found their moments to be a lot more few and far in between than I remember them being. Having said that, I still feel like they should have been cut out of the movie, and if you went to the bathroom during one of these scenes, you didn't miss anything, honestly. Other than that, I I even more so enjoyed Brad Pitt's character the second time around a little bit more, I almost wish he was in the movie just a little bit more. He was the great wild card between Tatum and Bullock uh, throughout this movie. He really made it. <laughs> he really made an interesting situation for Tatum's character. And I just thought he was used as a great supplement to this movie without overstaying his welcome. So there's a lot to love in the lost city. I, it obviously was good enough for me to go watch it a second time. And like I said, my, my verdict on that still is the same it's still a really good movie it's ideal to watch with friends or loved ones because they'll laugh a lot go see it have a good time but friends for those of you who have seen it or looking forward to seeing it let me know down in the comments below i'd love to hear your thoughts on the movie okay so let's transition into uh the latter parts of the weekly recap which is i actually picked up a video game on a whim yesterday and i decided to pick up playing the last of us once more the Last of Us, for those of you who don't know, is probably one of the greatest games of the last, how my entire life. It's probably in my top three games that I've ever played. I played it with a friend of mine in high school way back in 2014. Wow, it's going back a long time. Yeah, 2013, 2014 when it first came out. The game blew me away. Now that I have a PS4, I bought it on the PlayStation Store around Christmas time. I decided to pick it up and play it. And my God, it is just as fun as I remember it being. A little fun side story for the for those of you though who follow me on Instagram. I had a gold controller that I decided to take apart, see if I could fix it, start playing it. I started to play the game. I got five, about five minutes in. I'm like, this controller just isn't doing it for me. So I had to go to the store, pick up another one. It's blue. It's nice. I should have grabbed it, but it's charging right now. So just check out my Instagram if you guys want to see it. But the game is just as fun as I remember it being. I'm already like three, four hours into it in only 24 hours in the last 24 hours. That usually doesn't happen with games, and when I've been having a hard time finding games to play lately, this is kind of a nice revelation. I mean, I even delayed recording the podcast this morning to go ahead and play it for a couple hours, which it was an absolute blast. The whole story around this apocalypse that's occurring in The Last of Us is a very interesting one. It's very dark. It's very gritty. You really get the survival mode nature of humans in this game. They really sell that environment well. Plus the weapons, the ammo crafting, all that other good stuff is not overbearing. It's still a lot of fun. 
And the one thing I've noticed right off the bat within the first couple hours of playing is that the game really rewards you consistently for exploring, which I love. There's nothing more that I hate than getting obsessed with exploring every nook and cranny around a game and having nothing to show for it other than a wasted time. But The Last of Us does a really great job at rewarding you with resources, the things that you'll need to get through the game when you start to look around and find things. And you can even find some cool artifacts as well, some notes that will help you find safes, things along those lines. And those aren't too much in abundance to where you're having like hundreds of collectibles in the game. It's not like that. It's very well balanced. It's very well paced. And the story, my God, the story is one of the best I've ever heard in a long time. That fact still remains, but I'm looking forward to playing through it more. If I could figure out how to stream on PlayStation and Xbox, I would actually probably do a live stream of the game on Twitch or something or on probably on YouTube studio in somehow, some way. But if I ever get to that point, of course, you will all be the first to know about it. So The Last of Us, I've been having a lot of fun with it. Friends, have you played The Last of Us yet? If so, let me know what you thought of it. If not, why haven't you played it yet? Go play it. It's probably almost dirt cheap now on the PlayStation Store because it's been out for several years on remaster. So take that for what it's worth. All right. So to end the weekly recap, just putting some upcoming things to the Bankrupt Hippo channel on your radar. The next review that's going to be coming out on the channel is going to be my review for X, which came out a few weeks ago now. I went and watched it last weekend. I had a great time with it. I shot my review and edited it just the other day. It's going to be coming up on the channel, I believe, on Thursday, possibly a little bit earlier, but keep your eyes open for that. Also, I don't know if I'll be putting out a review for Dear Evan Hansen or not. It's just... We'll have to see on that. You guys have my thoughts on it. You've got my off-the-couch reaction for it on the channel if you'd like. I'm definitely going to be reviewing the movie Coda next. Coda, I believe, won Best Picture at the Oscar the other day. It's playing in a movie theater near me, so I'm going to go watch it today, and I'm going to review it in the near future because it's only on Apple TV, which I don't have, and I'd rather go see it in a theater because I just enjoy movies more so in a theater than at home, for that matter. And then the next thing, I'm going to be putting up a review today for Atlanta Episode 3. I just was having so much fun yesterday doing other things that I just didn't get a chance to watch the third episode of Atlantis. Don't worry. My review for that's going to be coming up. It's just going to be an off the couch reaction like I usually do for TV shows. So friends, that will do it for the weekly recap. That was a much longer one than usual for this week. But how was your week? What movies have you seen? What games have you played? What TV shows have you watched? Whatever they are, please let me know down in the comments below. Let's talk about it. Okay, so Let's get into some weekend box office results for last weekend after I itch my nose. Oh, there we go. So typically how I like to break it down on this podcast is the weekend after box office results are official. I like to go back and revisit them because of the day I shoot these podcast episodes, which is always Sunday morning. I'll talk about that in just a second, but let's talk about last weekend's box office results. That being the 12th weekend of the box office. Let me get over the box office mojo. So Coming in first for weekend 12 of 2022 was The Lost City, making $30.5 million about, and that's its debut weekend. Uh, coming in at number two was The Batman, making $20.5 million, rounded up, of course. Coming in at number three was RRR, which was an international action film that was about three hours long. Really interesting. It made about $9.5 million. Coming in at number four was Uncharted, making about $5 million even. Then coming at, at number five was Jujutsu Kaisen Zero, making about $4.6 million. And then, of course, there are other movies on this list that are no longer in the top five, but you get the idea. So, what were my major takeaways from the 12th weekend of box office results? Well, I didn't really have a whole lot to really extract from it. The only thing that really stood out to me was the fact that the Batman has now fallen from number one to number two. 
And that surprised me a little bit because the Batman has been a very popular movie. It's been highly reviewed. It is three hours long, so that does limit the amount of screen times and the amount of screenings that they can do, how many people that might turn off from going and seeing it. But at the end of the day, I don't think the movie's going to have as much of legs as uh, Spider-Man No Way Home did. If you had asked me a couple weeks ago, hey, how much money is the Batman going to be making? I would have said probably a lot of money domestically, and it's still making a lot of money domestically, just not as much as I thought it would. So I'm kind of going back on the movie having more legs than I originally thought it would. Having said that, it's still going to be making money. I think it's going to continue to be making money for the next few weeks until it comes out on HBO Max because it's debuting on the streaming service in about two to three weeks. So that's something to keep your eyes out for. The second big takeaway I had from last weekend's results was the Lost City debuting at making over $30 million. To be honest, like going into the movie, I was excited to see it. I just didn't expect to like it that much. And the fact that it seems that other people like it as much as I did and are going out to see it is kind of cool. I am a fan of both Bullock and Tatum. It's been a while since I've seen Bullock in a movie. I just saw Tatum and Dog. I enjoyed that as well. That review's on the Bankrupt Hippo channel as well. But I'm happy to see The Lost City have some success in its first weekend. And I'm excited to see what it does for its second weekend, which is a great transition because that would bring us into the weekend box office projections for this current weekend, that's weekend 13 of 2022 specifically, that is April 1st through the 3rd. Now, the way I like to do on this channel is I say projections for this current weekend because I'm currently shooting this podcast episode on Sunday, so the actual numbers aren't out for the final box office numbers, and there tends to be a bit of changes between when I shoot this and when the actual numbers come out. So I say projections, but we can still talk about them nonetheless. So let's kind of transition over to deadline really quick to talk about this weekend's projections. I'll be looking at the three-day uh, projections. So uh, coming at number one projected for this weekend is going to be Morbius, making about $40.8 million dollars. Uh, coming in at number two projected is going to be The Lost City making about $14.6 million. And then coming in at number three is going to be The Batman, which is projected to make $11.2 million, which it's still making good money despite it being out for five weeks now, which is phenomenal. It's still making a lot of money. It's made $350 million, and that's domestic. Keep in mind, these are all domestic numbers. Uh, coming in at number four projected is going to be Uncharted making about $3.7 million. And then coming in at number five, projected Jujutsu Kaisen Zero, making about $2 million on the three-day weekend. So quite a few shakeups in the box office this week that surprised me a little bit. I am still surprised at the fact that um, Uncharted has been able to stay in the top five for as long as it has. I don't know if it'll stick in the top five after this upcoming weekend because we've got the premiere of Ambulance and we've also got the premiere of Sonic the Hedgehog 2, if I'm not mistaken, which it sounds like it might be Jim Carrey's last movie. So I think that's going to incentivize more people to go out and see it. Plus people like the first Sonic the Hedgehog. So take that for what it's worth. I won't be seeing it, but that just be forewarned. I'm really surprised to see Morbius debut at number one, just because of how poor of a film I thought it was and how low the critics score is also the it's not like the audience score is at like a 90 something it's only at like 69 percent which i just didn't think as many people would be going out and seeing the movie having said that we're coming off of one of the highest grossing movies of all time in spider-man no way home it's a sony property in morbius morbius is a very niche character so i think it's probably got some good 
a debuting power, which would probably explain it debuting at number one. However, after this weekend, I wouldn't be surprised if Morbius dropped all the way down to like four. I just think that the word will get about, out about the movie. Everyone who has gone to see it in that niche will have already seen it and won't be seeing it again. So I wouldn't be surprised if Morbius had a huge drop off for the 14th weekend, which is going to be next weekend. Another thing I am surprised about is the fact that did I already say Uncharted is sticking in the top five. Yeah, I already mentioned that. So we'll gloss over that point. But other than that, not really a whole lot of surprises for me. Uh, the Lost City, I'm surprised that I actually stuck in front of the Batman at number two. I thought that it would maybe drop to the third spot and Batman would retain the second spot, but it just that's just not how it ended up turning out. So looking back at the results again, if I had to, to guess, I would have guessed that the Lost City and the Batman would have been flipped around for this weekend. And that still might happen depending on how the numbers end up shaking out. So we'll have to uh, wait and see. But at the end of the day, I think that for next weekend, Morbius will just slightly barely stick around in the top five. I think that um, Uncharted might fall off. I think The Lost City and The Batman are going to stick around. And I think Ambulance and Sonic the Hedgehog 2 are both going to debut in the top five. I wouldn't be surprised if Ambulance ended up taking the top spot for next weekend. So, friends, any big surprises for you for this weekend's projections? Do you think that the numbers are pretty right? What do you think is going to happen to Morbius on its sophomore weekend of box office results? Whatever you think, you know where the comment section is. Let me know. Okay, so let's kind of transition into our subtopic for this week, which is this. It's not very often that you hear actors kind of transition into and out of the industry. A lot of times you've got people like Clint Eastwood who will work forever. Clint Eastwood is in his 90s. He's still directing and acting in some cases. William Shatner's in his 90s, still participating in things. But this week, we've actually had two big actors end up announcing their retirements or tentatively renouncing their announcing their retirements, I guess. And that is in the form of Bruce Willis and Jim Carrey. Both of them have announced that they are retiring from acting, that they're done, that they want to move on to other things in life. That's more so the case with Jim Carrey than it is with Bruce Willis. But Bruce Willis was actually diagnosed with an, a condition, I believe it's a, a some sort of psychological condition called aphasia, which impairs your memory. And things along those lines, which that's a bummer. I hope he is a condition improves and he can still live his life the way that he wants to. But it's a shame that we won't get to see the legend in movies anymore. But I wish him and his family all the best. Looking back on it, it's a little interesting because within the last five years, I have heard of my favorite movie pundits talk about Bruce Willis movies. I don't watch a ton of Bruce Willis movies because of what I've heard and seen about the performances, but. It always seemed like Bruce Willis had kind of phoned it in for his movies, according to the pundits that I follow, which I always thought was kind of interesting. And I can't help but wonder now if it had something to do with this condition that he's been diagnosed with, which is a shame, of course. And I I have to think that it's probably the main contributor into him retiring from acting. But I don't want to focus on that too much. I want to focus on the great movies that he brought, which will actually be part of my movie recommendations for the week. For those of you who are looking to maybe tribute to Bruce Willis's career, some movies that are great that I actually recommend. Um, Lifrian and Die Hard, or actually I'll say any movies in the Die Hard series are very popular. He's very well known for. Another movie that I saw was The Fifth Element. It's a very sci-fi, very niche movie that a lot of people ended up loving. And it stars Gary Oldman too. So if you're looking for a pretty high caliber cast, The Fifth Element's a pretty good one too. But... On one hand, 
I am saddened to hear about uh, Bruce Willis's uh, retirement. On the other hand, I hope that everything goes okay with his condition. He gets the help he the in the treatment that he needs. So, uh, transitioning away from Bruce Willis over to Jim Carrey now. Jim Carrey, he was interviewed, I believe, not too long ago, within the last week. And obviously, it's no surprise because Sonic the Hedgehog two is coming out. Whenever a new movie comes out, the actors within it usually get interviewed. And he put out a pretty big statement. Basically, he went on to say that. You know, he's done everything he wants to do. His legacy is pretty much set. I've done enough. I am enough. I just like to live the life that I'm currently living, which it sounds like he's gotten really into painting, which as an artist, it kind of makes sense, right? He is channeling his creative into something else, which good on him for that. If you're looking for movies to celebrate his legacy with, oh man, where do I even begin? Evan Almighty, uh, The Mask. I would say he was in one of the Batman movies as the Riddler, which I exactly haven't seen. Uh, Sonic the Hedgehog movies. What? What? Why, why am I blanking on another Ace Ventura, Pet Detective, series of unfortunate events, Liar Liar, which is another good one. There are plenty of Jim Carrey movies that you can watch and enjoy. Yes Man, Yes Man, I think is a really underrated one that I enjoyed. And fun fact, Ace Ventura, Pet Detective is actually the first movie I ever watched on Netflix, like way back whenever Netflix started coming on to the Xbox, whatever it was. So for those of you who are fans of Jim Carrey, watch those movies reflect on his legacy. I'm really happy for him and I congrats, congratulate him on his retirement. So friends, what do you make of the illustrious careers of both Bruce Willis and Jim Carrey? What are your favorite movies from those actors? Whatever they are, you know where the comment section is. Let me know. All right, so we're coming up, uh, up on the half hour mark for the episode. So Let's get to the end of it. Let's finish it off with some weekly recommendations. I'm going to recommend two movies for this week and a game. So for the movies for this week, I'm going to recommend one movie from each actor that just retired. So for Bruce Willis, I'm going to recommend Live Free or Die Hard. I thought it was a very underrated action movie. It's got Mary Elizabeth Winstead, Justin Long, Timothy Oliphant when his career was first started taking off. The movie's entertaining, the action's a little over the top and unrealistic, but if you're looking for that sort of thing, you'll dig this movie up. And also, I'm going to recommend Ace Ventura, Pet Detective from Jim Carrey's side. Like I said, it's the very first Netflix movie I ever watched. It's got a special place in my heart. It says Jim Carrey, as you can pretty much get. So check those movies out. For the game, I'm going to recommend, no surprise here, The Last of Us. It's probably one of the greatest games you'll ever play. Give it a shot if you can. You can probably get it at a good price on the PlayStation Store. So, friends, that will do it for this episode of Coffee and Kernels. Once again, thanks so much for joining me. Check out the Bankrupt Hippo channel for my extended thoughts on any of these things. I'll link it down in the description below. If you like this, click right here if you'd like to see more. I've been Bryson. Until next time, have a great week.